You know when I learned how to play the harmonica? I was 17 years old. I had just run away from my aunt and uncle, and I said, I'm, gonna, I'm sick and tired of people telling me what I can and cannot do, so I joined the Navy. And um, that's not the smartest thing I've ever done. So I was uh, 17 years old, and I had just turned 17, and uh, I had to get my mom to sign for me, so she, she did sign for me. And uh, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I bought me a, a little old harmonica, about a dollar harmonica, Marine Band. And I was laying on the bunk in the train on my way to Great Lakes Boot Camp, and I learned how to play You Are My Sunshine. It was the only song that I knew, and I learned how to play that. And so ever since then, I can play the harmonica. And so now I've got all kinds of harmonicas, all kinds of keys. I use the chromatic, and I use the big ones, and the small ones, and all that. But the thing I like about the harmonica, you don't hardly have to think. If you can breathe, you can play a harmonica. All you got to do is just know, do I go up this way or down this way? Do I blow out or do I draw in? So it's a, it's a simple thing. Anybody can learn how to play a harmonica. But David played the harp. It was not a harmonica, much as I try to put that in there, but it's not in there. But now notice what he says in verse 17. And Saul said unto his servant, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and that he is cunning in playing, and a mighty, valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. And look at all these nice things said about him. Did you know that there's a possibility that while David was out there on that hillside watching those sheep and playing his harp, that God was preparing him? He said, I have provided myself a king. In other words, he didn't get to be king for years. He was anointed years in advance. And then it was way later that he actually became the king. But God had already promised, hey, you're going to be the king. You see, sometimes what God wants you to do might be years down the road, and he's preparing you now that you can't even see it. David didn't know he was going to be the king. God hadn't told him until Samuel comes along and anoints him to be the king. And yet, he's still living his life, and he's still not a king. Now he's just playing the music in, uh, for King Saul. So you think sometimes, well, maybe, maybe, you know, God's just going to do it like that. And he's preparing you, and it's taking time. So be patient with the Lord. And you'd be surprised. God may have something great for you down the road, but you may for go all of those wonderful things because you become impatient and stop being faithful. And when you stop being faithful, God will have to put you on the shelf. And you decide, I'm going to serve the Lord, and God will take you. Now you've got to start and prepare some more. And that's why he says in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, prepared unto every good work, fit for the master's use. That means fit to be used. Prepared so that God can use you. God doesn't just give you all if you need. He's taking you through processes of where you are, who you work with, who your husband is, who your wife is, what your kids are like, in-laws, outlaws. God uses everything in building you to challenge and to motivate you. And everybody is your master in something. Therefore, you should study every individual because they know something you don't know and probably can do something you can't do, and you can learn from everybody. The shame is when you put down people and thinking, I'm so intelligent and I'm so smart, I don't need anybody telling me anything. Okay, you're going to lose. Learn from everybody because everybody got something that they know. They can teach you something. 
You just got to have some discernment in what you learn and how you use it. It's just like this. People say, well, you ought to have an open mind. I used to have people, yeah, you ought to have an open mind. Well, I have open windows in the house too, but I like to put screens on to keep the bugs out. So you need to have a screen on your mind from the Word of God to keep out the bugs. So you filter everything through the Scriptures. So anyway, he comes along and he does all these wonderful things. And then one day, the Philistines are going to fight against, uh, you know, the children of Israel. And you ever heard of the story of Samson and Delilah? Yeah, you heard that. And you've heard about David and what's that big guy's name? Goliath? David and Goliath. Well, this is the story in chapter 17. So look in chapter 17. And you have the story of David and Goliath. Now, David was out there feeding the sheep, minding his own business. His other brothers, the oldest three, had already gone to the battle. And you'll see that up there in uh, verse 14. See verse 14 of chapter 17. David was the youngest, and the three elders followed Saul. So they were already there. And uh, the Bible says that um, this Goliath, and talk about him being about six cubits high and so forth, well, if a cubic is about 18 inches, well, this man had to be close to nine foot tall. And that's pretty tall. I'm six foot, not big foot, six foot. Three more feet. Big man. He must have been a man of war. I mean, he had to, I mean, when you read some of the stuff, just of the things that he towed around, he'd be like a tank. I mean, he was well prepared to take on anybody. So he gets up there and he brags and he boasts and he challenges the men of Israel. Hey, they was on one side of the mountain and they were on the other side. He says, send me a man to fight with me. And if he wins, we'll be your servants. But if he wins, we'll be your servants. And they, you, you'll be our servant if, if we win. But there was nobody in Israel that would take up on the challenge. Well... Things weren't moving along too well. So there's this problem. So look down here in chapter 17 and look in verse 8. And he stood and he cried unto the armies of Israel, said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. So the results are, uh, well, you're going to win or lose. And so here's his loud mouth up there, and he's challenging Israel. And so in verse 10, and the Philistine says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And so everybody, they heard this. And all of them jumped up and says, I can do it, I can do it. Is that right? Uh, well, nobody wanted to say, I'm not going, I'm not going. Well, why don't you go, Keaton? I'm not going. I'll send my wife. So he says, I regret I've only got one wife to give my country. But no, they didn't want to go. And so David, in verse 15, went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. I mean, this went on for a month, over a month. 
and nobody would take him on. Well, Jesse says, uh, you better go take some food back to your brothers. And so he got some food together and going to take it back up there and, and see what was going on. So he got some food in verse 17, and, and he says in verse 18, carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of the thousand, and so forth. So he gave them some food to take up there. And uh, they were all up there. And in verse 20, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. And Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. Uh-oh, David heard him. This changes everything. David heard him. You know, it's kind of like, you know, reading the Bible and everybody hears it, but somebody really hears it. I've often said one of these days, somebody, some little kid is going to come along and they're going to read this Bible and trust Christ as their Savior. And they're going to see that God has challenged them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And somebody is going to be so dedicated to the Lord that God's going to raise them up. And wouldn't it be neat to, they say there's seven continents. Wouldn't it be neat if you could shake all seven continents for the Lord? And God is looking for a man. My father-in-law used to tell me, this is Yankee, the world has never seen what God can do through one man totally yielded to him. You know, I was listening, I'm not listening, I'm, this morning when I got up, I would check my email because I get about 200 a day. So I checked my email and three people during the night trusted Christ as Savior in different parts of the world. And so I checked them when I got over here to, the, to check their IP to see where they came from. And they listened to three different sermons. There was four of them. And they listened to four, uh, four different sermons. And uh, one was in Lithuania. The other day, one was in uh, north of Poland. And one on the other side of, uh, like, Germany someplace over there. And, and another one was in California. And, and another one was off a little island of Africa. Little bitty island. I use Google Earth to find out exactly where it is. Some little island out there in the middle of the ocean, you know, hundreds of miles from the shoreline of Africa. A little island. Somebody trusted Christ as their Savior. I thought, here we are while I'm sleeping. We're reaching people around the world. Literally. I thought, this is awesome. It's awesome. And who would have ever believed that? And uh, I still get amazed at it. I, I just love it. And what they're doing is making it possible with all the, the videoing and the, the sound and putting it all together and Jesse and the working and putting the stuff up there. I don't do anything. All I do is just talk. They do all the work. But one sows and waters and God gives the increase. Nobody saves the soul except the Lord. We just got to get the message to him. But anyway, David comes along and he hears all of this. And so he says in verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter. 
She must look like homemade sin. Nobody's taking them up on it. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I don't really know. And make his father's house free in Israel. Probably means tax-free. You won't have to pay taxes. Wouldn't that be nice? And how many people did he have take him up on it? Not one person. You think somebody will at least tried. Nobody tried. Well, David had been a little runt. But he must have been strong enough that uh, he felt like he could do the job. And he says, I've already had some great experiences. God's already used me to kill a lion and a bear. And he says, I can make mincemeat out of this man. But anyway, in verse 26, he's got to get something straight between him and his brothers. You know, sometimes your brothers can always be jealous and envious. And says, son, why don't you go back here and take care of the sheep? This, this is a man's war. Well, verse 26, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? It wasn't just the armies of Israel. He saw it, you're defying God. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his elder brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he says, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Was that the truth? No, his daddy sent him. And he was coming down there to bring them some food. You see, David's innocent. He hadn't done anything wrong. But sometimes, can you get in trouble just doing right? Somebody misunderstand and questioning your motives. I know why. No, you didn't know why. And his accusation was wrong. And so that's why sometimes you have to be careful of jumping to the conclusion. Like, I know the real reason. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. So, anyway, David says, now what have I done? So he makes this statement there in verse 29. And David says, what have I done now? You ever feel like that? What did I do this time? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? This man defies the armies of the living God. Is there not a cause to take this man down? Who's going to do it? And so in verse 30, And he turned from him toward another, and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. In other words, he kept getting the same response back. Did you see, did you see how big he is? You know, it's kind of like the children of Israel when they sent in the twelve spies into the land. Ten of them came back, and it says, The giants, there's giants, the children of Anak that are there. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And Joshua and Caleb says, Hey, God promised it to us. We can do this. Did you know 40 years later, Caleb, being about 85 years old, the children of Anak was up in the north part, and he says, I want that mountain, and that's where the giants were. 85 years old, he hadn't lost his desire, and he says, that's the one I want, and I'm going to take him out. And he did. That's Caleb, 85. Had a vision. I think, I'm only 73. These guys serve the Lord when it's way up there. Don't quit. Don't give up. You'd be surprised at what God can do. God can give you wisdom to serve the Lord 
at any age, whether they're young or whether you're old. Like I told somebody the last week, somebody asked me about, you know, when are you going to retire? <laughs> I said, should I work till I retire? Or should I work till he returns? Maybe I should work until he returns, because if I work till he returns, I did retire. I'll retire when he returns. But anyway, something may happen to my health, and I have to retire next week. Maybe this afternoon. You never know when you're going to have something happen to you. You could have a stroke and put you down like that. Or develop cancer, and you can... I, I was with Dr. Curtis Hudson. We were speaking down in South uh, Texas, SWORD Conference. And he looked like the picture of health. I mean, he was one sharp man. And he was looked as healthy, he had a nice tan, and he was, he was eight years older than what I was. And I looked up to this guy. And clear on the gospel, he was great. And I thought, God is going to probably give him a long time to live. And it wasn't six months before he found out that he was dying of cancer. And the doctor gave him six months to live. He got two more years out of it, and he was about 61, 62. He passed away. And I thought, the last time I heard him speak, he had done shriveled down to probably 100 pounds. And I mean, and the guy got up there and he preached at the Southwide Baptist Fellowship. And I mean, there were several thousand people that were there. And it was an awesome meeting. And he got up there and he preached the sermon. They had to walk him up there and help him. And he stood there and they didn't know if he was going to be able to finish his sermon or not. But he preached the sermon on things that are different are not the same. And buddy, he, he preached a great sermon. And then at the end of it, he sang. And everybody was joining in. And all over the auditorium, people were just crying. And right after that, he was dead. But man, did he go out in a blaze of glory. But he loved the Lord. He served the Lord. He told me one day, he says, I never thought this would happen to me. He says, my dad died of bone cancer. My brother died of bone cancer. He says, but they didn't have the lifestyle. They didn't know the Lord like I did. And they didn't serve the Lord like I did. And I just didn't think it would happen to me. His wife kept telling him, honey, you need to get checked. But he just thought, they don't need to. He feels healthy. He looked good. And two years dead. You don't have a clue how long you're going to live. But while you do live, live. A lot of people have already died and they're walking around, maybe in good health, but they're dead. Spiritually, they're dead because they, they know the Lord, but they're not accomplishing anything with their life. Just playing games, just piddling. So, this is all important. But now look what he says down here. David told him, says, I can take this man. So Saul says, I'll give you my armor. So he gave him his armor. David put it on and he says, I have not proved this. I haven't tried it. It doesn't fit. So he just decided... That ain't going to work. But look down here in verse 37. And David said, moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion. And out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. So all these men that wouldn't do it, these great warriors, wouldn't take him on. Would you like to go up against a nine-foot man, nine-foot tall man that seasoned veteran. But see, David just saw him as a problem. But he looked beyond the problem to the God that can solve that problem. Just like when those children went into the 
land of Israel and they came back with that bad report? Well, some people saw only the problem. Joshua and Caleb, they saw the promise. Didn't God promise them the land? Yeah. They just couldn't see how they were going to solve the problem with those giants. And as you go through life, you'll be surprised at all the problems you're going to have, and they will seem like giants in your life. Problems in your life and giants in your life is not the problem. It's how big is your God? Is your God big enough to walk you through that problem? Is God big enough in your life that you can trust Him, regardless of what comes? Or you become totally afraid of what's coming down the road because you don't see how God is going to do it. What's the difference here? There's no difference. You want to be a David? Well, then you're going to have to have David's God. And you're going to have to trust the Lord. And you know, he had confidence that he could take down Goliath because he had already had several successful past experiences. You see, those little things that you have to decide, if you can win this battle and win this battle and win this battle and win this battle, they become your confidence builder. God did this for me and God did this for me. So whenever you have that next problem, well, that's why the Lord says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence. You've already seen what God can do on how God can use you. Don't cast that away because you see, that's why you're going to do the next thing and the next thing. And so God keeps giving you even bigger problems because, you see, you're getting stronger in your faith. And your faith is not challenged unless there's something great to overcome. So God says that he's going to reward you when you get to heaven, but the rewards are according to the work, and the work is according to the confidence that you have in the Lord. So never cast away your confidence. And realize, God has been good to me, and God has blessed me, so I'm going to trust the Lord. And you may not know how God's going to do everything, but just walk with Him, trust Him. And so when I hear people having a rough time, you say, just trust the Lord to walk you through it. He'll walk you through it. Because if you'll walk with the Lord, well, the Lord's got to be there too. And He'll walk you through it. Just believe Him and trust Him. So anyway, verse 40 and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones. You see, he had four brothers. Five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in the script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So here's a man cursing David. What has David done wrong? Nothing. But the man knows I'm being challenged. He's trying to make me look bad. So he says in verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowl of the air, to the beast of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou cometh to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. Get this. You ought to underline this. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. So he's letting him know, you have defied the God of Israel. And I'm coming to you in his name. You know, he's putting God on the spot. 
God, I'm doing this in your honor, for your glory. And if you don't give me a victory, do you realize how that makes you look? Have you ever given God the opportunity to look good? You see, serving the Lord is your way of making God look good. And that's really what it's about in life. We're to magnify the Lord so people can see God and know more about what he's like. So it's an amazing thing. So anyway, he says here in verse 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. See, you thought that it was only the Muslims that did that. David did that way back here. Cut off his head. This boy cut off this giant's head with his own sword. And he says in verse 47, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spirit, but for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, David hastened, ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Ran. Does it look like a scared little boy? Scared little rabbit? He's running to meet this guy. And David put his hand in his bag, took thence a stone. And slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell down his face to the earth. Now here's this sling going around and around. We used to teach little kids that in Sunday school. And the sling went round and round, and then that little stone goes flying through the air, and the Holy Spirit of God guides that stone and puts it right between his eyes and his forehead. And the giant came tumbling down. Anyway. Who won? David won. You want the victories without the battle. You want to wear the medals, but you don't want to fight. You got to get in the arena. You want God to use you and to bless you? Get in the battle. Don't just sit around and watch everybody else. Get in the battle. You know, the more you get involved, you haven't got time to cut and criticize and belittle somebody else. Because you've got your hands. You know, your hands on the oar, it's hard to rock the boat. If you're not rowing, then you rock the boat. And there's always somebody who wants to rock the boat. Well, lo and behold, I hope that I don't rock the boat too much today. Time's up. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we ask your blessings upon the study of your word and for each one of us to have the confidence that we should have. So bless us. Increase our faith, and thank you for all that you bring us through and all that you bring us to. Bless our service today in Christ's name. Amen.